The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists for Jake. Oh, oh the chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! Welcome to the NBA, my friend! Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 no. oh no. right Don't let him throw it down like that! Victor on the deep throw. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 28 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook, and sitting next to me as always, guys, Eric Hawk and Jake Light. Guys, great week of Pacers action. Yeah, great week of Thanksgiving feast. Uh, I just threw out the last of my Thanksgiving leftovers today, so I'm officially over that. And uh, it always seems like we end on a good note right before we start recording. We win a couple games in a row. Well, yeah, if we would have recorded like two weeks ago when we were on that three-game losing streak, it would have been gloom and doom. But then all of a sudden we run off like four wins, and we're happy. If we would have started at the beginning of this week, two losses, but now we're ending on two wins. And again, we're just super stoked. Uh, Miles Turner coming along. Going to be a fun, fun day to talk and recap, and I'm ready to go. Uh, yeah, so since last time we recorded, the Pacers have played four games. Since In those four games, they've gone 2-2. Two and two. So the first two games, they played Charlotte and San Antonio last week, lost both of those games. Uh, really, they I mean, they were kind of in that San Antonio game, but not really. Uh, they made their comebacks, but San Antonio just kept like making it double digits. So really, they weren't really in the game. Uh, and then two blow or not actually a blowout against Phoenix, but a blowout win against the Utah Jazz. So they've swept the season series against the Jazz. One on their home court. The Jazz actually, I believe, are two and six at home, and they've won seven road games, which is kind of strange. Yeah, they're like our Western Conference brother. Yeah. And the Phoenix Suns last night, they put up a fight. Uh, we beat them by five points. I was getting a little worried there in the last couple minutes, but we ended up pulling it out. Uh, Miles Turner hit a big three followed by a Devin Booker three, and then Bojan came back and answered. So three threes in a row, my heart rate was just at a ridiculously all-time high. What were some of your guys' thoughts, specifically more from the two wins from the Pacers, that you saw that you guys liked? Well, I think last night it showed some resiliency. I know they didn't they didn't particularly play well early, um, but... I, Phoenix is a scrappy team. They're coming along. They're going to win a lot of games here in the next couple of years, but they're just hitting a, a rough spot where good teams like the Pacers that play good basketball, they're going to beat them, and that's just how it is. Uh, I couldn't believe D.C. put Aiton on his back. I mean, that was just one of the most shocking. I mean, I think D.C. was shocked because it was just a crossover, but somebody trips and falls. you got to make the layup. I was a little nervous he was going to blow the layup and you know pull a real D.C. on us, but hey. He, uh, he executed it right. I think uh, coming down to it, Dougie McBucket's coming around. I mentioned Miles Turner. That was huge in both Utah and Phoenix. The thing about Utah is they have Rudy Gobert. He's a rim protector. But 
because he's a rim protector, he doesn't go out on centers. And so Miles Turner just made him pay 15-footer, 18-footer, and just really uh, put the game away. And so all the Miles Turner haters, and I've been in line. I've had my uh, I've had my hits on him, but man, if he continues to play like this. Is he worth the $20 million? And it's a good thing, too, is they both have different skill sets. So defensive, a defensive possession, you want Miles out there. You saw that in the San Antonio game. Sabonis really struggled against Aldridge. Offensively, I think, you know, down at the post, you need a bucket. You're definitely wanting to go with Sabonis. Uh, you know, they're both good mid-range shooters. But they both have different styles of game, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you know, I mean, look at all. The, look at the teams in the league who would just kill to have one of these guys on their team, and we have two. So I don't know. I'm sick and tired, really, of the debates, the going back and forth about who's better, who should start, who should, you know, who should we trade? As you're getting a piece of beef jerky during the middle of the podcast. Um, so I think that all just needs to stop because I even put on Twitter like, remember the days we had Rosho Nesterovich and Maceo Bast, and like. Jesus. These are golden times right now. We've come a long way. Yeah. So, Hawk, go ahead. Um, I gotta, I gotta something to admit. I forgot we played Phoenix <laughs> two nights ago. I, uh, I was so high off the Utah Jazz win. I mean, we beat them similar twice now, right? Uh-huh. Didn't we beat them by that much last time? Yeah, it wasn't much? as much, but it was a big amount. I yeah, think twenty and, points almost. So that was just good to get that out of the way. The West, the, that West team that I thought was decent coming into the year, we ended up sweeping them and blowing them out both games. I think they lost four in a row now. And then so Phoenix last night, I, I would just watch Duke and Indiana. I had no idea there was a Pacers game on, and I fell asleep watching that. So I guess that's my one game I've missed this year, and I tried to rewatch it on League Pass, but you got to wait three days, which, wow. is, which is very inconsiderate. And the San Antonio game, we were all together for that loss, and that was unfortunate. So we're never all three watching a game yeah, together. Yeah, that's, that's it's not good luck, I think. No. So. Um, so in the last – so we're, I'm going to count – uh, the Atlanta game is the game we played without Victor Oladipo. He played five minutes. So without Victor Oladipo this season, the Pacers are 4-2. and two. Last year they were 0-7. And, and it's already been said he's going to miss the game tonight against the Lakers. So uh, what do you guys think? You know, obviously last year they couldn't even get one win without him. This year they have four. So what do you guys think about how the Pacers have played without him? Other guys picking up the slack that, you know, Oladipo brings every night. I think last year it was more about he had to do everything. Um and honestly, again, having Tyreek really helps because he's not—he's not able to—he's not able to give you what Victor can, but he is just stable enough that everybody else can stay in their roles. And we—we we are a very role-oriented team. That's why we're so fun to watch. That's why—that's why we are in most of the games that we play. We don't really get blown out too often. So I think it's great. I think having Tyreek helps. Kind of messes with our second unit a little bit, but with Sabonis. We really don't miss a beat. So um, I think part of it is we're just playing good basketball. I also think it helps that we're playing some young teams, and it's early November. Um, and we always say, you know, the NBA season doesn't start until after Christmas. But in reality, these are these are where you get those wins. And so we're missing Victor at the right time. And we have the guys to step up this year. Everyone's a year more mature, and everything's just grand. Yeah, I, everything you said is 100% uh pretty much the reason why we're winning those games definitely Sabonis I mean that man's still on an absolute tear I think he I think he's pretty much got six man of the year wrapped up him and Montrez Harrell other than that I think we hit a lot of threes and I mean once we get if we get our threes going how good we play defense 
were damn near impossible to beat. I, I, wouldn't you agree, Chris? Absolutely. Yeah, and with Bojan scoring at will like he's been doing, is he's got to be still up in the top in three-point percentage, hitting clutch shot after clutch shot. Like, Bojan's definitely been putting the team on his back from the scoring aspects. Yeah. And then uh, the way we moved the ball lately, Darren Collison back-to-back games with double-digit assists I think is also helping. He's a guy that he's a veteran. He's going to fill his role, and when he, when he knows that our star player is down, he's going to try to get the ball moving. That's his job as a veteran. So, all in all, great great last two games. The other thing I want to bring up is Dougie McBuckets, Doug McDermott. You know, a lot of people, a lot of Pacers fans I see on social media giving him flack, saying he's uh, you know way too expensive. Pacers overpaid. I mean, the guy's been taking like. You know, four shots a game, if that, and the last few games, his shot, especially since Oladipo's been out, his shots have went up by a significant amount in the last two games against the Jazz and the Suns. He scored 21 points. So uh, since that time, too, since Victor's been out, he's had four double-digit games. So four out of six games, he's been in double digits. What have you guys seen? Have you guys seen anything specifically that the Pacers have been doing to get McDermott open shots, or do you think you know that he's just playing better? I know specifically in the Jazz game, he wasn't he was hitting everything, but he wasn't scared to drive either. And when he can capably drive and finish, like he's a different player, and he's he's damn near impossible to beat. The one big thing I'll say with all these guys that we have that we think could use more shots, take a few shots here and there. This has the makeup of a team that could definitely make some kind of trade at the trade deadline. Just because we have so many pieces that could help other teams, maybe aren't getting enough run on our team. It just seems to me this is the most trade assets we've had in years. Yeah. Okay, so I actually think the Dougie McBucket stuff, I think he's he's getting more screens. I think it's clear that the Pacers are going out of their way. That's another reason why um, – with having Victor out, you got to score in different ways. I mean, it's the NBA, so somebody's going to fill in and, and eat up those points. But, you know, he, he's getting open, and he's so good moving off the ball. It's huge. Um, and like you said, he's putting it on the floor, and he can dunk. I mean, we have a, we, we've called him the next slam dunk champion, I think, on Twitter. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's not a bad player, um, but when he's not hitting threes, it, it kind of hurts. But he's starting to move without the ball a little better. I think he's just more comfortable, and the players want him to shoot. I mean, we're not just not throwing him the ball. It's just getting him the ball. And a lot of that is dribble penetration and kicking. Huge for us. So um, I love what Dougie McBuckets is doing. I, I will give a shout-out to D.C., um, which is shocking Whoa. for me. But, yeah, double-digit assist. You hit the nail on the head. He's a little. He's got the ball in his hands a little bit more because, obviously, Victor takes so much time with the ball in his hands. I mean, as he should, as he rightfully should. But, um, yeah, he's doing a nice job. He's still not dynamic enough to really make someone guard him. Except for Hayden. Except for Hayden, yeah. I mean, he DC was so shocked by that, though. He was like, <laughs> he, like, crossed over and Hayden fell, and he was like, oh, I got to go with this layup. I was just shocked by that. But, yeah, I think the trade stuff is interesting. Um, I was reading some message boards, which mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. But it was asking, would you be willing to move – would you be willing to move Aaron Holiday in a deal for Kimball Walker? Obviously, it would take more than Aaron Holiday. Potentially. I'm more interested in – I just read an article today. Speaking okay. of articles about <laughs> oh, God. how Anthony Davis, he needs to be on the team for a year to qualify for the Supermax or something, and that year deadline's coming up. So if they don't think he's – he's more valuable now to trade for if he doesn't want to sign long-term. Can we give it up? <laughs> I don't want to say it out loud because it'll never happen. So I'm not no, going to say it out loud. Let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> Wait. Give me one second. 
Sabonis? Yeah, he was in the packet. Like, he's the only way you can make it work, like a young guy like that. So, like, Sabonis, Aaron Holiday, first-round pick. You have to match some kind of money, I'm assuming, right? They can take DC. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mo- moving that. on. Chris, would you do that? Enough can't be said. Wow, you're not going to answer? Yeah, I would trade for Anthony Davis. <laughs> but it's not happening, so I'm moving on. You just never know. You just never know. We got um, the money to pay him. Chris wants to trade Sabonis. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, averaging 19 points per game since the Hawks game. Enough can't be said about how he's been playing this whole entire year, actually. he's I think he's averaging like 16 points a game. I saw on Twitter some guy said that Bojan wasn't a starter in this league. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? When did he say that? Uh, oh, yeah. A couple All nights the, ago, something like that. I sent him a meme back. I can't remember what I said. But this guy's never seen Bojan play. This is the same guy who also wanted. To, he also came at me and told me because I said something about Collison's crossover being basic, and he said I'd like to see you do that basic crossover. <laughs> so, so would he's, I actually. He's quick with the. Jo- we I should mean, post that video. I know. I know. So you're looking up the tweet, I guess. But I'm I, trying to. Th- no that's way. what it said. He said he's not starter worthy. That's all he said. So who cares what the exact verbiage was? But he said he wasn't. Starter worthy. He's been a quality starter on a good team. You can't tell me that he wouldn't be like a ex- very like good piece on like a crappy like Cleveland right now. I mean, if we rank small forwards, he'd. I can't tell you off the top of my head yeah, where he'd be at. He's not top ten, but he's not in the bottom ten. I wouldn't think. No, definitely. starting wise, not the way he's been playing lately either. No. Yeah, I'm not gonna find it. Just keep going. <laughs> And then last thing I want to hit on before we move on to our interview, TJ Leaf. Yeah. Uh, the guy is averaging 2.8 points per game since the Hawks game. That Spurs game. Was it the Spurs game he had a good game? that We I was at, we were at your place? Uh, yeah, place? yeah. I think he had 11 points. Yeah. And against the Suns last night, his plus minus was plus 13. Everybody else was like plus 2, plus 3. TJ Leaf, plus 13. He does the little things, man. He, he does the little things. I just found the Collison crossover tweet. The guy said, I would love to see you do that quote-unquote basic crossover. He said, Chris, I'm assuming it's Chris, want me to record it for you and send it, up, send it to you on loop? Hold on, here it is. And then it's the little kid flipping the guy off. I mean, it was just, That's my go-to gift. If, yeah, if you ever say something done. to piss me off on Twitter, I'm sending you the flip-off gift. <laughs> Obviously, I can't do a crossover, but they don't pay. They pay me to podcast. You, know? you could get. I could get you down a crossover. Jake and I could help you with that. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to get that happen. I want to cross. I want to cross that guy over. So I'm sure he doesn't listen. But yeah. if he does and he hears this, I am challenging you to a crossover contest. Um, so that pretty much wraps that up. We had, uh, you know, four games. Pacers went two and two. They got the Lakers tonight. And then on Saturday night, they wrap up the road trip against the Sacramento Kings. We will get into those games, but right after this, because we have a big interview here today with Pacers play-by-play announcer, Chris Denary, his second time on the podcast. We surely are looking forward to it. And, uh, I think you guys will enjoy that coming up here in just a second. All right, guys, today a very special guest on the podcast, a returning guest. We had him on back in July to talk about the offseason and everything else the Pacers did in the summer. Now we have him on to talk about the actual game plays. We're uh, over 20 games into the season. We have Pacers play-by-play announcer Chris Denary here with us today. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, glad to be with you. Uh, always good to talk to you guys. Absolutely. So uh, we'll just dive right into it. So during uh, that Hawks game, that first initial game where uh, Victor Oladipo was injured, I think he only ended up playing five minutes. 
and he left the game with a knee injury. Uh, he's missed an additional five games since then, and, and as we've mentioned, it looks like he's going to be missing the game against the Lakers here tonight. Um, so counting that Hawks, Hawks game, the Pacers are now 4-2 and two without Vic this season compared to 0-7 last year. Um, so obviously the Pacers want him back as soon as he's ready, but why do you think that they've been able to have much more success this year playing without him than they did compared to last year? Well, I think one reason is uh, it's a year later, and you have the bulk of the team back uh, from a year ago. And so uh, they're just more experienced and more mature as a group in how they you know, approach the game. Uh, I, I think it's a sign it's a better team. Um, you know, guys are older. Um, guys understand that to be a successful team, you've got to fight through injuries, whether it's Victor or Miles Turner or Sabonis. In this league, um, just because a guy's missing, you just you, you, you can't lose those games. And, and so I, I just think they're better set um, with their rotations. I think they're a deeper team than they were a year ago. Um, and I just think they're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons why uh, the Pacers at this point can be a little bit more cautious with Victor as far as when he comes back, um, you know, from the knee soreness. And I think, you know, the real story will be on Friday or tomorrow when the Pacers have a chance to, to practice again prior to the game in Sacramento on Saturday. Nate McMillan has said that he wants to see Victor go through a full practice before he is able to play. So the first opportunity, I think, for him to play would be Saturday. And I, I don't know anything more than anybody else, but I could see them waiting until the Pacers come back from this road trip and he would come back and play on Tuesday. That would give him, uh, what, that'd be about 10 or 11 days uh, from the the Atlanta game on that Saturday uh, to the Chicago game on December the 4th. Yeah, that... And so I think that could be a more realistic thought process, but we'll just have to wait and see on Friday how that practice is. I can tell you that on Sunday when we started this road trip and got to Salt, uh, got to Salt Lake City, um, he did more at the beginning of practice than I had seen him do, um, you know, since the injury. And um, so I, I think I think there's a good chance, you know, he goes through a full practice on Friday. Doesn't necessarily mean he'll play on Saturday. They won't practice on Sunday because I think we get back Sunday morning at like six in the morning, and then they'd have a practice on Monday prior to the Tuesday game against Chicago. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I just think this team is so much more mature. They have so much more depth that they can you know, compensate for the loss of their best player. Yeah, obviously we, we want Victor back as soon as possible, but one of the bright spots has been Doug McDermott in his absence. So st to start off the month of November, Doug McDermott was averaging only 2.5 shots per game over a seven-game period. Since the Atlanta game, which coincidentally is when Victor got hurt, um, his shot attempts have increased to eight shots per game. That is quite the increase, and they obviously paid the guy to shoot, so that's what we want him to do, shoot the ball. So what things specifically have you seen the Pacers do over the last week to put Doug McDermott in better situations to score in terms of, you know, it, it, within the flow of the offense, setting him up on screens? What have they done differently? Well, I think one thing, Doug is moving more, and, and that's not to say he wasn't moving 
during that stretch when he was only averaging about three points per game. If you remember, the first four or five games, he was a double-figure scorer. Then he went through a stretch where, you're right, he wasn't getting many shots. The other thing that uh, in the interview that I had with Nate after the Utah game, uh, he said, hey, we're simply passing him the ball. He did not feel like his teammates were getting the ball. Not that guys are selfish, but they were missing him. As Quinn says on our telecast, the other thing with a shooter like that, you have to make sure you deliver the ball in the proper area for him to catch and shoot. You've, you've got to make good passes to a shooter. If it's too high or too low, I mean, he's a guy like Kyle Korver that just turns the corner either off a screen or, you know, and, and he's going to let it fly. So the pass needs to be a solid pass. And, and you saw that in the Utah game uh, when the Pacers had 34 assists. Uh, you saw that on Tuesday night in Phoenix. Uh, you saw that even last week uh, in the loss in Charlotte. I mean, think about it. The last three road games, he's had 15, 21, and 21. So that's huge uh, for, for him to do that off the bench. And when you pair him with Boyan Bogdanovich on the floor, who's leading the NBA in three-point shooting, I mean, it gives the Pacers something, guys, I don't think they've had in a number of years. Just two knockdown, long-range shooters that that's what you pay them to do. Yeah, I completely agree. Moving on, Tyreek Evans was signed not only for bench purposes, but also to pick up the scoring slack for moments like when Victor is injured. Since the injury, he's averaging nine points a game and just doesn't seem like he's too comfortable out there quite yet. He's had games, he's had moments. How do you think the fit is going with Tyreek Evans so far with this team? Well, I think he's just trying to get used to the situation. I mean, I I, I know this. I mean, Tyreek's uh, a very quiet person, at least around us. I know he opens up a lot more around his teammates, but I think this is a new environment for him and, and one that he um, is adjusting to. Is is It's a winning environment. I mean, if you think about where he's been with Sacramento and, and Memphis last year, they won 20-plus games. Uh, new Orleans has had some success. He's only been to the playoffs once. And, and so I think... It, you know, he's had some really good moments. He's had some disappointing moments. But even the game in Phoenix, when he hit the two threes to start and then was, uh, you know, made some bad decisions, um, you know, had five turnovers, uh, didn't play particularly well after that early start, I still thought defensively he was pretty good. He had four steals. I thought he did a really good job on Devin Booker yeah. in keeping Devin Booker in front of him. Tyreek's got a big body. And I think that's the other thing, guys, that – you don't see, and, and we could also talk about this with Miles Turner because I think Miles doesn't get enough credit for things he does that aren't on the stat sheet. I think that's the case with Tyreek Evans. I mean, he, in reality, in his career, has focused on one end of the floor, and that's the offensive end. And this is probably the first team that has required him to focus on the defensive end. And so I think he's made a pretty good adjustment in that area. He can still be better, but I thought I thought the defense that he played – uh, for the most part, against Devin Booker when he was matched up against him, he did a really good job. So I think you have to take that into account, um, you know, as much as his offense. Clearly, they brought him in to score, um, and and he'll need to do more of that, especially if Victor misses the next uh, couple games of this road trip. And I'm kind of adding in a question here, but uh, a lot of Pacers fans, the big talk this year has been been about Miles Turner and Sabonis. Uh, you know, the two playing together, who should play more often. But I think one of the big things is, and we were kind of talking about it a little bit earlier, was you can put, I, I mean, 
they both have different parts of their games. I mean, if you need a basket within, if you need like a, a two point basket or something like that down low, you, you have Sabonis in there for that defensively miles Turner. I mean, far and away is a better defender than Sabonis. So I f- feel like we've kind of, we're in like the golden era right now of, you know, Pacers big men. And a lot of people are thinking, you know, you got to trade one of these guys, you got to do something. But I mean, it's such an advantage for the Pacers to have, you know, at one moment they can bring in Miles Turner who, you know, he can shoot the ball. He can play defense very well. And then Sabonis, a guy who's going to go down there. He's going to, he's going to play physical. He's going to get you rebounds, get you shots. I think I saw he's shooting like 85% within like five feet or something like that. Some crazy number like that. So how big of an advantage is that for the Pacers to have two big guys down low to, you know, that they can go to at any point in the game and sometimes play them together. I mean, it's huge to have them. And, and I, I just, it bothers me when people start talking about the either, either or scenario. Um, I, I mean, I think we should feel good that, that both are on the team. Yeah. Both are young. They're 22 years old. And we've started to see them play more and more together. I thought in the first half they were uh, exceptional, um, especially when Phoenix brought in its undersized second unit with Rashawn Holmes and they had T.J. Warren trying to guard one of them. Uh, I thought the Pacers took advantage of that, and that's how they built their double-figure lead. In the second half, Nate really couldn't go back to that as much because Phoenix went smaller, they were shooting threes, and so it made it a little bit more difficult for that big lineup to play. But the numbers are trending very positively when these two play together, way more positive than, than the numbers were last year. And I just think the more that they play together – and the more their teammates have them out on the floor together, um, you know, it's a, it's a winning combination. I mean, I, I mean, last night you go miles 16, 13, and five blocks. Uh, Sabonis, 21, 16, uh, and three assists. So they combined for 37 points and 29 rebounds. Yeah, that's just And, uh, I mean, you'll take that any night. And, and I think the great thing about this group is, is they want to do whatever it takes to win. And, and I like the way Nate coaches. Nate doesn't uh, decide, hey, at the eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter, I'm bringing back the starters because they deserve to be on the floor. If, if that starter has played well, then he'll be back on the floor. If the guy that's replaced him is a little better matchup and he's playing well, then that guy's going to be on the floor. Yeah. And I think when you have that trust as a coach and you have that trust in the locker room, that works because all these guys want to do is win. Um, so I, I just think, you know, the more that we see them playing together, the more comfortable they're getting playing together. I mean, you've got two 22-year-old big men yeah. uh, that both have, both have potential to be all-stars. And if you go back, you know, in the history of the Pacers, I mean, you had the two Davises together. Now, you know, these two guys are far more skilled yeah. Uh, than the Davises were back in the 90s. But it never hurts to have that kind of depth. And, and my thing next year deserve to be back. I mean, a number of them. I mean, um, it's a good group. But your, your core players are that you're building this franchise around Victor, Domas, and Miles. And that's a pretty good trio to have moving forward. Yeah, uh, absolutely. As you kind of mentioned, I can't even really think myself of the last time the Pacers had two, you know, solid big men like this. It's been quite some time. You did have like Roy Hibbert there. He was pretty. He was pretty good for the Pacers there for a few seasons. And Mahin me, but uh, you know, two bi- two young big guys like you said. I can't think of the last time the Pacers had you know something like this to be able to 
to throw at other teams. But uh, another guy that uh, a lot of talk is surrounded on here uh, as of late since the Victor Oladipo in- injury is he finally got his chance to play as Aaron Holiday. And you and Quinn have both mentioned several times while he's played about how fearless he is out there. Uh, the kid just doesn't look like he's afraid of anything. So what have your initial thoughts been of Aaron, his play of thus far? And how do you think, do you think he's still going to be able to fit into the rotation even when Victor returns from injury? Yeah, somebody's minutes are going to go down. There's no question about that. And, you know, the logical assumption would it would be Aaron Holiday a little bit. But I don't think that means that he is rooted to the bench. Um, I think Nate would find a way uh, to play 10 guys if he can. Uh, and I think it also depends on that night's matchup. I mean, last night in the second night of back-to-back, or Tuesday night, you saw T.J. Leaf. Uh, he never got off the bench in Utah. And so Nate looks at matchups and, and looks at where his team is on that particular night and decides who he's going to play. Um, you know, Aaron was so good in those first two games. I mean, basically – Without his presence in the fourth quarter in the Atlanta game, I'm not sure the Pacers win that game. And then he backed it up with a 19-point performance against Utah. Now, since then, he's not shot the ball well. I think he's one of his last 16 from three-point range. But, but you know, it's funny. Every shot he takes, I think, is going to go in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I just think he's that confident of a player. Um, I did a, a radio interview with him for our Pacers weekly show on 10-7 The Fan last week, and I asked him, I said, where do you get this confidence from? Both of your parents were Division I players. Uh, your sister was a Division I player. You've got two brothers in the NBA. Is that where you draw your confidence from? He goes, no, I draw it from myself. <laughs> and uh, he's just a very confident young man. Um, if you think about growing up in Los Angeles and having two brothers play in the NBA and you're the little brother, you're going to constantly play against these guys. And then you're going to play all summer long with NBA players. I mean, this guy just has a tremendous amount of confidence and, and, and I think is going to be a really good player for this franchise. And if you think about it, you know, after this year, he's got three more years on his rookie contract at low money. And that really helps the Pacers moving forward because then as you move into free agency in the summer of 19 or 20, you've got additional money that you could potentially use on other players because you feel like you have either a starter or a quality backup in Aaron Holiday. Yeah, absolutely. The Pacers are now 13-8 and to start off the season, currently sitting in the fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Would you say that this team is meeting your expectations, or do you see them further improving as the season progresses? I think they can improve. I mean, I think they've gotten off to a a really good start. I mean, there's a game here or there that, um, you know, I thought they should have won. I I thought they should have won at least one of the Houston-Philadelphia home games uh, back a couple of weeks ago. But then, you know, they they beat Boston on a last-second shot by Victor. They came back and won on the road in Chicago, New York, and then Tuesday night in Phoenix. And uh, so that doesn't happen all the time. So I think if you balance everything out, um, you know, they've had a really good start. Uh, they've got a 6-4 and four record at home. They've got a better record on the road where they're 7-4. and four. Uh, They're one of only five teams in the NBA that have both a winning record at home and on the road. Uh, but I still don't think they've played, you know, anywhere close to their best basketball. I think they've played well. Um, I think uh, they've done a really good job without Victor. I, that's what's most impressed me um, is, is how this group has responded without – their leading scorer and their best defender uh, because the numbers had shown that 
um, last year when Victor didn't play, as much as it affected the offense, it was the Pacers' defense that wasn't as good. Uh, they gave up 101 points per game with Victor on the floor and 111 points per game without him. And that 10-point difference resulted in seven losses. Uh, so I think, uh, I think they're in really good shape. Uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, they've started this road trip with two wins. Uh, if you think back to last year, they had at least two wins in every four or five game road trip. I think they were three and one, two and two, and three and two on those multiple game road trips. And when you can do that on the road, uh, that, that's going to put you in good position uh, with a solid record at the end of the year. Absolutely. And with that being said, the Pacers are now 2-0 and on this four-game road trip out west. So we obviously have two games remaining, one tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers, and then one in Sacramento, I believe, on Saturday. So from what you've seen so far from those teams and what the Pacers have done, can you give us a little preview of those remaining games, kind of what to expect, and uh, what the Pacers need to do to be successful? Well, it'll be interesting to see LeBron and company because they're coming off a 30-point blowout loss uh, at Denver. Uh, they have won seven of their last ten, a loss in Denver and, and two losses to Orlando. Um, you know, they, they've started to play much better basketball. Rajon Rondo is out. Uh, uh, Lonzo Ball sprained his ankle on Tuesday night, but has said he's going to play on Thursday. We'll see Lance Stevenson in a Laker uniform. Um, you guys know as well as anybody, we've seen LeBron over the years, either in Miami or Cleveland. Anytime he's on the floor against the Pacers, it's, you know, it's a tough game. So, um, but but it's been a building where the Pacers have had success. They've won five of their last eight eight there. They got beat there last year. Um, but I just think they need to continue to play like they've played. You know, focus on the defensive end, make it difficult for LeBron and company to score, and uh, you know move the ball on the other end. Uh, Sacramento's a team that just wants to get up and down. They're very young. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has had a really good start to the year. The second year guard out of Kentucky. Um, they're in the top eight right now in the Western Conference, uh, right around 500. Um, you know, as you look at them, they've got you know really a, a college all-star team. Buddy Heald at the two guard, Willie Colley Stein in the middle. Um, so you know these are these are two you know, two games that are very winnable, but uh, they're also Western Conference teams that are playoff teams right now. Yeah, and last but not least, there was absolutely no way we could let you go without asking these questions. Are you satisfied with the amount of smother chickens we've had from Quinn this year? <laughs> I think we were on pace to shatter last year's smother chicken count. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, what, what, what do we think the count was last year? It was very low. I mean, it was a disappointing low. Um, it had to have been like two or three. <laughs> yeah, I think we've already had two, and we could have had another one, but they called a foul, yeah. and you can't have a smother chicken on a foul. No, that's not. that's not not good. Um, no, I think. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm always trying to tee one up. I mean, Quinn, Quinn, Quinn always says it has to be natural. Yeah. It's, it's got to be I meaningful. Uh, but, but I think, uh, you know, the way the season's gone and, and the way Miles blocked shot, so we're at two right now. Uh, I don't think we can get to double figures. I think that'd be asking too much. Yeah. But I, I got to believe that we can be in the to eight range this year. There's going to be one and, game where he throws two out, and I can't wait for that. Oh, I, that would be amazing. That would yeah. be amazing to have a double dip of a smothered <laughs> chicken on a, on a night. Um, I'm going to have to look at, you know, what you have to do is you've got to peruse the stats 
and look at the teams that are at the bottom in you know in, in getting their shots blocked a lot, and those are the games then you have to circle. Yeah. Because those are the ones where you have a shot uh, to to get some smothered chickens. I actually I, I have an interesting question. I mean, what if what if the second smothered chicken in a game isn't a smothered chicken any longer? It's something even a little more a little more saucy. You know what I mean? Like a smothered pork. A smothered pork. Like what if like it's it. something else? I mean, I just it, the it's endless. The possibilities are endless. But yes, we it would could love be, to see if we stick, if we stuck with the Thanksgiving thing, we could call it a candy yam or something like that. I mean, a candy yam. Yeah, I like it. He is still never. I mean, I've tried to engage him in where it come from, and he he says it's like super secret double probation that he's not allowed to comp, comp where he uh, developed the smothered chicken. And it, it's funny because if you remember, the one smothered chicken uh, was used um, in a loss, and I think uh, was that the game that SVP Van Pelt sort of called him out. On sport on Sports Center, yeah, yeah. But then when when people told SVP that this is a you know this is a regular call, it's not just something that is you know was randomly done. Then he had more appreciation for it. The, the problem was that that smothered chicken happened at a game. I think the Pacers were down like fifteen or yeah, I you know, think maybe it was, it was uh, the Rockets game. I'm pretty no, sure. No, I believe was. it was against the Bucks when he did that with Giannis. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's that's when it was. But I think. Once Van Pelt understood that it's a part of Quinn's repertoire, then he was all right with it, which he should be. I mean, you know, Scott Van Pelt has a shtick, and Quinn has a shtick, and Quinn should be allowed to use his shtick no matter what the score is. I know. We've been around Quinn one time specifically to talk to him, but he was not giving up any information to smother, to the smothered chicken. Um, he, he was not willing to come on the podcast and discuss said smothered chicken either. So he was just, he was, he was very nice. He talked to us. We, we had a good time with him, but it was definitely a no go on any smothered chicken talk. It's like he goes out of his way to change the topic. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It, it, it for him, Talking about the smothered chicken is not proper. It has to be organic, and he can only bring up smothered chicken during a telecast. Love it. Okay, well, FS Indiana put a Twitter poll question with a side-by-side photo of you and Victor Oladipo drinking water (laughs) and asked who did it better. So, Victor is currently beating you in the poll. Last time we checked, 59-41%. So, what are your thoughts, and are you disappointed in the Pacers fans for not giving you the edge? Because we gave you the edge. I'll be honest. Yeah. You got three well, votes here. I'll be honest. I mean, one of the reasons uh, over the years is Connecticut, in, in my work with them, I, ha- I have begun to drink more water. I never drank as much water as I should have, as you should to be healthy. My wife would even tell me that. And now that we have the Connecticut system in our house, I do drink more water. I should probably even drink more. But I will never get as close to drinking as much water as Victor Oladipo. I mean, there was a game, he carries the jug. There was a game, I swear, in this time that he's been off, he was sitting on the bench with two jugs of water. Not one, two. So I can see why fans would vote for Victor because he drinks a whole lot more water than I do. I mean, I need, again, I need to drink more, but I'm fine with it. Hey, Victor's Victor. I'm just the TV guy that 
you know, talks here and there. If, yeah, and so if you if you follow us on Twitter at all, I mean, if you ever see anything we tweet, we're always really good with memes. So um, yeah, everyone yes, I have seen that. Everyone loves seen. it. So um, I was wondering, do you know the Kermit the Frog like sipping the tea? That's none of my business meme. Do you know what that do I is? I know the which meme. It's okay. It's Kermit the Frog, who's yeah. drinking Lipton tea, and then the saying is. That's none of my business. Basically saying, like, I'm sipping my tea. I'm not even going to pay attention to you. Do you know okay. what meme I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I think I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, just to let you know, this is a little sneak peek. We've got a Chris Denary drinking the Connecticut water. He's, oh! And it's okay. a that's none of my business meme with a little born ready to pod poster in the background. So you'll have to you'll have to be on the lookout for that. I will have to look for that. It, it's funny because in all the years that we've, We've done these commercials now for Connecticut. The two questions that I'm asked the most are, are those my dogs? Yes, they are. And two, is that my kitchen? Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, I think people think, I, I think people think that I bring in stand-in dogs. You know, just, uh, you know but, but I'm serious. And I've had, I had somebody on the road, I, you know, I, we have so many Pacer fans all throughout the country. And if you watch the game in Phoenix, I mean, I swear, I mean, there weren't as many Pacer fans there as Suns fans. But I want to tell you, I bet you there were 500 Pacer fans there. I mean, there were Pacer awesome. jerseys everywhere. But on the road, I had a guy come up and tell hey, I watch you every, every, uh, every game, and um, I get the commercials. I don't have the leak pass where it goes to, uh, you know, in arena stuff. Yeah. He goes, I just want to know, are those your dogs? <laughs> and I go, yes, yes, they're my dogs. So. It's amazing that people think that you would just hire two dogs to come yeah, sit with you on a commercial. I hire actor dogs to come in and uh, pose with me in my commercial. <laughs> That's great. All right. I got one last question for you, and then I'll let you go. Uh, All right. The uh, few weeks ago, I don't remember who it was. I'm going to guess off the top of my head because I just thought of this question. It was, I think, PJ Tucker came and slammed yeah. into you and on the sideline. So are you recovering from that? Was that a speedy recovery? Or how did that go down? Yeah, that was that was, uh, I tell you, that was a, a scary moment for, for, for me because I saw him – he was in the center circle and the ball was coming over toward me and I saw him. I think, uh, PJ Tucker's gonna, you know, he's, you know, PJ Tucker, Tucker's a hustler. I, I, I love that. Um, I was just glad that game, we had an oversized monitor. So when the TV trucks come in, uh, sometimes they're different trucks and different trucks have different pieces of equipment. Sometimes the TV monitor that I have at the table is smaller. Sometimes it is bigger. This was a gigantic monitor that saved me because P.J. Tucker ran into the monitor before he could get to me. Um, So, no, I have recovered from that. I will say this. It was not as scary as the moment six or seven years ago or longer when in Orlando – Big Baby Davis chased a basketball toward us, and if it wasn't for my partner, Quinn Buckner, getting in front of him, he would have plowed me over into the floor. Jeez. So that's the second time. The neat thing was is that Frank McGrath, the Pacers photographer, got a picture of it, and you guys probably saw it because I posted it on Twitter and 
and yeah. that kind of stuff. So I do have that photo now that, um, you know, for all to see when P.J. Tucker was nearly in my lap. You're going to have to get that framed for the next year's commercial and just have it sitting there on your kitchen on the wall. Yeah, I should do that. Hey, that I like that. I'll put that <laughs> – I'll have to ask my wife, though, because she's in charge of all of that. Yeah, yeah, I know how that goes. I have to ask her. I think there's a D there in the in the commercial. Yeah. I have to ask her if I can put that P.J. Tucker yeah. picture there. Maybe at least for the commercial. Just for one day. She won't mind that. She definitely won't want yeah. it there all year, but I think uh, one day it would be acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so thanks a lot, Chris, for joining us. Uh, we look forward to uh, watching watching you guys on the rest of this road trip and the rest of the season. Uh, bring back some of that warm weather with you. It's been really cold here. Hope, hope you bring some of that West Coast weather back when you guys come back to Indiana next week. Uh, we hope to do so. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hope to do it again this year. Absolutely. absolutely. Thanks a lot. You know, ever since we started Born Ready to Pod, people have been asking us for advice. Usually it's how many games will the Pacers or insert NBA team here will win this season. The truth is, I don't know. But if you think you know, you got to go check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to us. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code READY to activate your offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code READY, that's R-E-A-D-Y, when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. It's time for Around the Association, presented by Born Ready to Pod. Just so everybody is clear on this, that's not pre-recorded. He does that every single time. We don't just have the intro saved. He just does it every time. It would make he, a lot more sense. Because though. he loves it so much. So go ahead. Okay, first up, we got NBA announces first betting data partnership with SportRadar slash Genius Sports. Might be some competition for our guys over at MyBookie. Their job will be to distribute accurate real-time NBA data so basically, this is just a way for the NBA to profit off when betting becomes more legal around states wide. Smart, smart yeah. move by them. Betting will be a common thing here in the next five years. We can all agree. Do you guys bet on games consistently ever? I, mean, I would I, if it was. I would I've if it was easier. Bet. I'm not going to use Bitcoin or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, it's too either. much. And and one time I I have done it. I have done it overseas, um, and. Uh, you know, please don't tell the law enforcement on me about that. But I have played, and my credit card got hacked. So since then, I have quit. Okay. Um, that's a, but that's yeah, a good you know, reason. if they get like a fan duel kind of like it, you know, where you can go and bet on games like that, yeah, then uh, I'd definitely be up for it. Hopefully, well, if you guys had to guess, how many years until something like that is available? The first couple next saves, five years, definitely. Next five years. What do you think? 
I think Indiana I think will be one of the last, like usual, with this kind of stuff. Well, I I think that it definitely will be. It'll definitely be in the near future. I think five years is probably. I would say five years max to me. I I know Indiana moves very slowly, like molasses on all this stuff. Like we're gonna be the last for like everything, everything. But I I could definitely see the problem for me is I'm watching games constantly. So if I'm on this side and it's like, hey, you know. Who's going to score the next touchdown? You know, you know it's what I'm addicting. saying. You know what I'm saying. Or, or who's going to hit the next shot? And then I keep guessing, like Dougie McBuckets. I keep losing <laughs> For like money. Plus like one thousand. Yeah, plus one thousand. And what so. I could see happening is, like, at these arenas, they could have like you know a booth that's for yeah. gambling so you go there like maybe they have these machines you put your credit card in whatever it is bitcoin by that time whatever you're using and you just click what you want and then i bet you get like a ticket i mean this is i'm just pulling this out of my ass but i could see that being like in actual arenas oh let's hear it i got an actual steadfast idea so can we make if, money off this i don't know if we can okay. but maybe the pacers will hire me to give them this idea okay okay so this is copyrighted but what if like for, there's like a certain section in the stadium, okay, that is a gambling section. Ooh. So it's not going to be a ton of seats or anything crazy like that. But it, it you go there and then on the back of the seats, so it's kind of like that seating how we have. So it's kind of like on the seats, probably like a club level seating. And so on the back of the seats, you have like a TV, and you can watch you can watch other games or. You could just have like in live game betting of the game you're watching right now. So like, hey, click it up, boom! I think this guy's gonna hit the next shot, or this guy's gonna have the next turnover. Bam! You have it right there. So just like a, a designated section for yeah, gambling. designated section. Like the for Victor gambling. Oladipo like you know over under section or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. You have. I mean, it's right on uh, the Sabonis. Uh, the Sabonis bonus seats where you're getting you know extra time to make some more money. I actually think it would be a pretty good idea. Yeah, I don't hate it at all. A right, couple key guys coming back from injury maybe this week. We got Laurie Markin expect to be back within the Bulls in the next few games. The seven foot second year player from Arizona averaged 15.2 and 7.5 rebounds. Uh, he's expected to return to action sometime early next week. And then we got Steph Curry has returned to practice. And they haven't made any quotes, comments if he's playing Thursday night against the Raptors TNT game. They're, I think they're like five and five without him or yeah. something. So, and then uh, the Spurs first round pick Lonnie Walker is expected to return to practice this week. So three guys that have been out that have helped the Pacers somewhat. I mean, we've beat the Bulls, we've beat the Spurs. So those guys are coming back to action. Look out for that. Any comments on that returning injuries? Guys? I mean, the Bulls are bad, so it doesn't really make a difference. They'll, you know, maybe instead of maybe instead of maybe winning. You know, two games in the next ten games, they might win three. Uh, Steph Curry, obviously, as we can see, is a big uh, component of what the Warriors do. And, you know, right now they're just coasting. You know, Draymond and Kevin Durant, I don't argue, they are definitely fighting. So that's probably, you know, team chemistry-wise isn't great. But Steph Curry stirs the drink. He's the guy who put – he's the guy that's, you know <laughs> – yeah, I know. Nice analogy right there. But he's the guy who, you know, he's just making things happen for that team. So – uh, he's really the only one that'll make a difference. Lonnie Walker, yeah, I've never actually really watched him play. I didn't watch him in college. I don't watch much college basketball. So looking forward to him because, you know, FanDuel-wise, he's going to be a cheap price to start off with sure. and maybe, you know, can get a few games out of him at a cheap price. Yeah, I think the Lonnie Walker situation, I just want to see how well he does. I think um, the Spurs are so weird with, like, playing time and, like, Patty Mills is getting, like, 25, 26 minutes. And then, you know, they've, they've just got a lot going on. So – 
uh, it's kind of jury's kind of out on Lonnie Walker, obviously being a young guy. But um, Steph Curry, that news doesn't matter. They're probably going to win the championship. Just push it away. I mean, Chris, as Chris put it, um, he is the straw that stirs the Warriors' drink. Yep. I think I got that right. Uh, credit to him. I've um, heard that from somebody. Else. But that's. <laughs> I, that is what that is. I don't even want to talk about Steph Curry. I think the Laurie Markkinen stuff is probably um, the most interesting thing that you have on the, uh, the most interesting name you have on the list because Jabari Parker's just now started playing well. Uh, Wendell Carter can't stay out of foul trouble, um, and now you got Laurie Markkinen uh, coming in, and he kind of plays a very similar game to Jabari Parker. So I'm interested to see how they play it. Um, they're just they're so bad defensively. I don't know how many times if there is a center that is playing. The Bulls in FanDuel, we just just slot that center in, and it's guaranteed to be a Monday night. I mean, it's that easy. I mean, it's that easy. And so they're just defensively, they suck. I want to see how they make it work on the offensive end. All right, next up, we got the big the big news. We're going to finally dive into this. We got Dwight Howard. Oh, uh, what about Dwight? Oh, God. I don't know if you guys saw. He's been, he's been up to a lot lately, apparently. So this person, lots, lots been, yeah. we're going to call him a man because at last reports it was a man, but at some point I think this was a woman as well. Name is Mason Elige. I have not re- I'm not pronouncing that right by any means. We'll just call him Mason. Um, so Saturday night started a Twitter thread and a video posted supposedly talking to Dwight Howard on the phone. The altercation covered a wide variety of topics. Apparently he's into that stuff. And hey, no shade here. If no. that's what you're into, all by all means. Uh, a man named Calvin is allegedly trying to keep everything under wraps. It's one of Dwight Howard's guys. So, But the person is airing out everything Mason is, saying this Calvin guy is calling uh, Met... Ah, I misspelled some words here. <laughs> saying that uh, Ka- Mason is a dead man walking and trying to get her or him to sign a, a non-disclosure agreement. So apparently this is all just hitting the fan quick for Dwight Howard, and it doesn't help the situation that he's out with a glute injury. So I don't know if you guys saw that as well. Yeah, uh, It's kind of – it's very ironic and hilarious, but I can't, I really feel bad for Dwight Howard. This just got dropped on him like, yeah, after, okay. after a bad for, start. First things first, you know, you're he, he's into what he's into. You know, I'm not going to judge him for yeah. it. Uh, if that's the case, I've listened to some of the videos. You can't really confirm if that's Dwight Howard's yeah, voice. Yeah, you can't. But I'm the going fact to be that shocked. he's been stone cold silent. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I think if this was being pushed against me, that first thing I would do. I mean, if he goes on Twitter and denies it, people will just in the reply just give him shit, <laughs> yeah. like they have been. There's so no maybe he's just avoiding it. So yeah, there's no win. Maybe he, maybe it's not for him. Maybe he didn't do it. Either way, if he denies it, people are going to still think he did it. Um, but yeah, just a very, it, just a ran- it was the most random story to ever break. I didn't believe it for the longest time. I thought it was kind of like the Condoleezza Rice news yeah. <laughs> that we got the week before. I thought it was another one of those kind of things. Uh, yeah, I woke up and I just saw around. Dwight Howard was trending and a lot of people were saying, well, what did he do last night? He hasn't been playing. And then it ended up being that. <laughs> Barcel Big Cat. He was like, did he have a good game last night? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was just very, as you said, very interesting. I think the story pretty much speaks for itself. Yeah. I don't. If I think it'd almost just be better for Dwight Howard if it's true, just be like, yeah, okay, this is it, because you can't, nobody can go against him because of the the pushback that they would get. I mean, yeah. it's not like Sports Center could be like, oh, this is a big problem in the lot. Like, okay, I mean, if if it's true the way we are in America today, you might as well just say whatever's on your mind. You might as well just. Well, the bigger issue it. is she's claiming sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And that he's hiring people to like keep her quiet, which that could I mean, be some serious like those are some accusations. Yeah, that could lead and to that's something. also what I forgot to mention. Like if he's actually doing these things, 
Yeah. Then we got a problem on our yeah. hands. Well, yeah. If, I mean, but I, I'm saying like if he if he would just come out and say like, hey, yeah, you know, I've been in situations, I've been at parties like this, but I didn't do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A little he said, a little, she said. A little he said, she said, and just or, it's just. I said this. We said. I think we said this earlier on a podcast. Like he doesn't even look like himself. Like he's like a he's like a tinier version of himself. Like he looks athletic, but he's like lost all kinds of muscle. He can't stay healthy. He's got a glute injury, which is never. I mean, that's a serious injury. Like that hurts. I've had a glute injury before. <laughs> yeah, have you? I have. You've been to any you, parties? <laughs> not, not any parties, but you feel like one leg's moving faster than the other and stuff. Yeah. It's just really weird, weird stuff. So hopefully uh, everything works out for Dwight. But if he is sexually harassing people, like it doesn't matter, man, woman, whatever, he's in trouble. Let's move on. We got a couple quick hits to end it. We're doing around the association quick hits. Okay. First up, Miami Heat are 0-6 in their Miami Vice jerseys that they debuted against the Pacers. People love these jerseys, and I think it's hilarious. You don't wear them anymore. Them. You don't. Yeah, you go 0-6, you you're done. You're done in those jerseys. You test that out again against, like, the Hawks, and then yep. if you lose that game, and maybe they did lose the you Hawks, retire. I don't know, you, you retire them. Uh, no comment. Yes, okay. Go ahead. Next up, Andre Iguodala says he will retire after three seasons. Is he a Hall of Famer? And before you answer right away, he's he'll be 17 seasons, an all-star game, an, two all-defensive teams, and a finals MVP. So I don't think he's an all-star by any means, or a, a Hall of Famer. I don't I know his say, career averages off the top of my head. It's like 12. But if you're just say. asking me right now, no. For the amount of, it's interesting to see how later generations will view like that Warriors team. If Andre Goodell, they're like, listen – they might not have got at least one of those titles without him, maybe even a second. Let's, for how let's well be he honest, though, the finals MVP, he kind of did save that save. That, that was his biggest saving Warriors. grace. But I wouldn't, I mean, he wasn't the MVP. The MVP was Steph Curry. Yeah. No, he is definitely not a Hall of Famer. 6% here's, chance on basketball reference. Here's, here's the problem. Here's he gets the, another title. They give out these basketball Hall of Fame. I don't even know if they have jackets because they just give these like certificates away, just like they're free. And then they make the excuse, well, like basketball's bad. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the basketball Hall of Fame. I don't think he's personally done enough at all levels. It's not like he's. I don't think he's won a gold medal. I don't think he. I mean, his college career. I can't even. Went to Arizona. He went to Arizona. Did absolutely. I mean, they yeah, got. Like to, I think they got. Yeah, I think they went to the freshman. Elite Eight. One year with him, but no, he is definitely not a Hall of Famer in my book. The one Finals MVP is great, but I mean, quick hits, quick hits, quick hits. All right, quick hit, wrap it up. If he gets, let's say he gets six titles, how do you leave that guy out of the Hall of Fame? Is Robert Ory in the Hall of Fame? No. Then he's not in the Hall of Fame. But has Robert? Does Robert Ory have a Finals MVP? He should have been in that Pistons. Or did they lose that? No, they won that series against yeah. the Pistons. Yeah. He should have been in that series. Yeah, he hit several big shots. Okay, so All I right. think Tim Duncan won it. Yeah, the last quick hit, we got Kawhi Leonard side's deal with New Balance. The last person to wear New Balance is Matt Bonner. This is uh, news going around. He left Jordan Brand $20 million on the table. Apparently New Balance is going to give him more. Another shoe deal entering the match. I have a take on shoes for once. I think guys are just trying to find the next big thing. They're trying to take one of these, you know, you got Nike. Money's good. You got Nike, Jordan, Under Armour, Adidas, whatever it is. (laughs) They're trying to take one of these lower tier shoe companies and turn them into something. So, uh, Kawhi, I think New Balance fits him perfectly. <laughs> I saw somebody say he took it only because it's Pop's favorite shoe. <laughs> okay, so that's a great one. I think uh, he fits New Balance to a T. He I is mean, a New Balance guy. I, I could 100%. Oh, you're walking on the street. Kawhi Leonard's walking past you like 
bright white New Balances. Like, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I it's the perfect fit. I actually think that's partially why he probably chose it because it literally is a perfect fit for his yeah. attitude. And so um, I, I can't imagine him selling a lot of shoes, but – what the hell? You might as well try for it, right? If Kawhi's, I just can't you imagine up. New Balances up and down the. <laughs> if Kawhi's the you up in New Balances, you're gonna get scared. And uh, that's all I have for quick hits and around the association. The last thing I wanted to bring up um, was the Los Angeles Clippers. So I checked the standings the other day. I'm gonna have to recheck them. They're but first the, place. they were in first place in the Western Conference. Looking at their roster, you wouldn't even think before. I mean, they might not finish in the playoffs. Should I we mean, do a live name Clippers roster? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it first. All right, I'm going to start with Boban. Shea Gilgis. Still in first. Um, keep going. Uh, it's your turn. No. Yeah, it is. Harold. Montres Harold. That's a good one. Uh, Lou Williams. Marcin Gortat. Tobias Harris. I'm out. I'm out. Tobias is the last one I knew off the top of my Milos. Teletovic. Teletovic. Patrick Beverly. Ooh, I like Patrick Beverly. Danilo Gallinari. Uh, let's see. Avery Bradley. Oh. Is he still with them? Yep. Yeah, I think he is. I think I'm out. Yeah, so what we named eight? We That's named, better than I thought we'd do. Yeah. Who's our, did we name the center yet? Yeah. They got Marcin Gortat. You didn't say it. And Boban. Okay, I, uh, let me pull it up real quick. Do they yeah. have Sundarius Thornwell? Did I just screw up? Uh, Tyrone Wallace, I don't know if he's still on the team. Mike Scott, I know, is on the team. Oh, Luke and Bob Mute. Oh, yeah. They yeah. do have Thornwell. So, <sighs> first place, I mean, no one would have said the Clippers would be in first place by a any means. A lot of means. those guys, they're kind of like the Pacers. They got a lot of guys who can kind of just, none of them are like excellent. They don't really have a Victor Oladipo. And right now, if you're looking at sixth man of the year, Right now, it's I mean, it's close race between Harrell and Sabonis. Both yep. are uh, Harrell's playing out of his mind. He's a great guy off the bench. To be um, fair, I did say that LA could be a top three seed in the West. Did you? I just didn't say which LA. Could be. <laughs> I just said LA. And then lastly, we'll wrap that one up. Lastly, I do want to mention we here are mostly Purdue fans. Hawk, I believe you're a Purdue fan. You also got Ball State ties. I kind of just like to float. Yeah, but I'm not going to take any sides. You know, a lot of you guys are IU fans, Notre Dame fans, whatever it is. Uh, You are both IU and Notre Dame fans. One thing I want to point out. Dan Dockich, the other day, (laughs) tweeting about uh, Jeff Brom done deal to Louisville on Monday by 5 p.m., whatever the deadline was. Today just or yesterday it just came out. Pat Ford, is it Ford? Pat Ford. Pat Ford said that, uh, yeah, it could be Pat forty, Ford. <laughs> whatever. He's he came out and said Brahma's staying. It's all been released now. Brahma's staying at Purdue. So, what are your guys' thoughts on Dockage sources? Does he have sources, or you know, is he just making them up? I think Dockage probably has some decent sources for what he does. His job title, just all the connections he probably has. This is just one case where. Thank God for Purdue fans. It, it wasn't accurate. And I still think he doesn't show it, but I still think he's got that IU bias in him a little bit, and he kind of wanted to see him go. I mean, how could you not? I mean, he played basketball at IU. He, he tries to keep it even keel on the radio, but I think he's always had a little IU bias and over Purdue. Yeah, I love I love all this coming in. I actually don't mind Dan Dockich. I know that's not popular for a Purdue guy to say, but he does try he does he does come at you with what he thinks is the truth. I don't really know if he has sources. I am super happy. Everyone keeps tweeting at him and stuff. Um, and just saying funny stuff. David Blau, Purdue quarterback, uh, has a picture of him laughing and a picture of Brom laughing, and he says, Coach says, What's so funny? Me at Dan Dockich. Like that is classic. Like that is awesome. And um, 
he, Dockage, if even if it's real, he had a source that obviously felt pretty strongly about it. But at the end of the day, Brom stays at Purdue. I'm happy. I can sleep a little better tonight knowing that we still have, you know, Rondell Moore, Mr. Brom, and it's good to be a Boilermaker today. We won one today. All right. Well, they're, they're oh. freshman quarterbacks named Jake Plummer, I'm pretty sure, from what I've heard. Yeah. So another Jake Plummer entering the mix next year, too, which will be interesting. I mean, so that's it's actually Jack. that's going to wrap Jack that up. Plummer? That's going <laughs> to I'm going to call him Jake. close enough. That's going to wrap that up. We didn't just go around the NBA association there. We were not went around multiple associations sure for you did. know multiple sports fans out there. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed the Chris Denary interview. Always a lot of great insight from that man. Really enjoyed that interview. Make sure you tune in next week. We got episode 29 coming at you. Same thing as usual. Just going over the week's games and previewing what's coming up for the Pacers. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb here. We're going undefeated until the next time we see you guys. Okay. See you soon.